So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, read parts of this. There's going to be some notes up on the screen, but I'm going to pause and I'm going to pray. I may ask a couple people to pray because what I'm laying out is not just a teaching. I don't need to convince this crowd about prayer. I want to talk about the House of Prayer cultural revolution that I think is going on in the church. This is a big theme for me. But I want to do this in a spirit of prayer, and I would love for you to labor with me because there's war contending against what I'm about to talk about. To me, this is, I mean, God's doing a, Yahweh's doing a bunch of big things. So, you know, as a preacher, you overstate, like, this is the only thing he's doing. It's not the only thing, but this is a main, main thing that's going on, I think, right now. In the body of Christ, in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the chaos that's going on, is that the Lord, the Holy Spirit is trying to initiate a house of prayer cultural revolution. When I say house of prayer, I'm going to describe this to you, but try not to think Kansas City or think any other. There's a lot, that's a big name of churches, especially charismatic ones across the nation. I, I mean something more than that, and, and I'll unpack that for you. Um, Matthew 21, 12 through 15, you'll remember Jesus at the end of his ministry. It says, and Jesus entered the temple, and he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, Isaiah 56, 7, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame then came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things he did, the religious leaders, and the children crying out the explosive praise, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And that, that's a, really a, a tell, a key that it picked up the pace of what they were going to do to kill him. They were conspiring to kill him. And so this, this passage is obviously a powerful one. It's at the end of Jesus' ministry. The beginning of his ministry in John 2, the first Passover, after his ministry began, he did the same thing. And you can read it's in John chapter 2, and he tears through the temple, and that one tells us a little more. He, he made a whip of cords, and he's thrashing people before he starts his ministry of healing. It's an amazing thing to think about. Before his ministry of healing and transformation and deliverance, he's thrashing people in the religious place. And he's turning over the tables, doing his thing, and it says they remembered that zeal for his house consumed him. That's out of Zechariah. And so the beginning of his ministry, John gets Mark and Matthew say and record it for us that it happens at the end of his ministry, that he does arguably one of the most unusual things he does. And he's a rabbi, we could say, gained large popularity, but largely being rejected by the religious order, obviously. They're conspiring to kill him. They tried to push him off cliffs before. They tried to do all kinds of things. So he goes in unsanctioned to the core center of worship and praise among Israel of the true God, Yahweh, and does this unusual thing that we don't even hear about anyone else ever doing. He's turning these tables over. He's throwing the money. He's whipping. He's doing the whole thing. And he's making this declaration over it, which is so key, you've got to hear, because this is a prophetic thing over God's house. My house shall be called a house of prayer. In Matthew, it's you've made it a den of robbers. In, um, in I think it's in John 2, it's, a, it's about a, a den of thieves. And so it'll, it'll talk about merchandising. That, you know what they were doing. They were manipulating people with money. High interest, they would have to use to pay the temple tax, use Jewish money. They brought their Greek money, whatever, and they would trade it, and they would do high interest, and they would rip them off, and that's what's happening. Same thing with the goats and the sheep. you got to act for a blood sacrifice, and they're ripping people off. So he's watching, obviously, the religious order turned into merchandise, and there's not prayer going on in here, and he's making this declaration of identity over it. 
to me, this is a primary thing that the Lord is committed to in getting his church to this place where she is a house of prayer. Just a couple explanations. When the Lord says, my house, he means more than building. There was a building there, temple. There's a building here, now we're in. But he doesn't mean that. He says, when he, sa when he says, my house, he means family. So if I say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, you know I don't mean 4670 East Mount Vernon, the brick house that's sitting there. Me and my house are going to serve the Lord. It means my wife, my kids, and my kids' kids. All right? You know that's his family. That's what the Lord's getting at right here. I think it's really key he did not say temple. He didn't say my temple. He said my house. And what he means is my family. You can put right in there, my family will be a house of prayer. So the question would be then prayer. What is by prayer? What does he mean? And we say it so much. I just hope you'll stay clear on it. The Lord means heart-to-heart -heart dialogue and communion manifest in many ways, like singing and speaking and listening and even doing what we're doing right now. But what we mean is a dialogue. I want my house to be in a heart-to-heart -heart dialogue. I, I don't want them just doing the process of religion and doing a monologue where they're just thinking about me. So the Holy Spirit, I believe, with consuming zeal, is tearing through the family or house of God right now in Wichita, across America, across the globe, to bring full restoration to their core identity. Because that's what's been at stake. The devil's after our identity. If you change a Jacob to an Israel, the enemy comes after you being a prince of God, wants you to go back to being a manipulator and a liar. And so all of you, we've talked about that names are important and he calls us by a new name and all those good dynamics. But the general call or the general title over the body of Christ is she's a house of prayer. She's a family of people that are dialoguing with the Lord, especially when she's corporately meeting together. I believe, watch, that we're in the midst of recovering from a generational identity crisis. That's plagued the church for generations. Was a, a generational, by the work of the enemy, identity crisis in the body of Christ. We've largely been a house of principles, a house of preaching, a house of process. And there's a thousand and one books about all three of those dynamics. And I'm okay with principle and okay with process. And I'm real okay with preaching. But that's not what he called us. He called us a house of prayer. And so the results of this generational identity crisis have been a couple dynamics that I want to say to you. Number one, the priority of what we know has is, is become more important over who we know. What we know about God as opposed to knowing God has become paramount in discipleship or in our services. Number two, we've had the exaltation of sincere reasoning over wholehearted trusting. We've, we've really exalted sincere reasoning, how we can figure out and do for God and get stuff done for God and do it in an efficient way. And especially as technology increases, it's this amazing benefit, but it keeps tempting us to get more and more efficient and more and more disconnected, honestly. Three, we've diminished the presence and the lordship of the Holy Spirit. We, his, we can do almost everything without him. That's shocking, honestly, that we're okay with a people who can come to Christian things but not know the Christ. It's one of the biggest problems on planet Earth. Number four is the division of kingdom manifesting itself in a not standing state. 
So the church is divided and divided and divided in the Reformation, which I'm thankful for, the Reformation. We've divided and divided and divided, which the, even the enemy knows when a kingdom is divided, it will not stand. So we set ourselves up for a spiritual law from heaven that when we're divided, black, white, Pentecostal, whatever it is, and I don't know, what does unity fully look like? I don't know. I enjoy Cocorina with a couple thousand people praying from lots of different churches. That's definitely not the fullness of it. But when we're divided, man, woman, black, white, Hispanic, you know the deal, then there's a law that we will not stand. And so then we're frustrated about why are we having breakthrough in our neighborhoods on mission and having breakthrough, we're having malaise and we're having look what, why? Well, it's because we can't stand in the state we're in. And I think that's largely been caused from us not abiding as a house of prayer. There's something radical in unity that happens when people come into the supremacy of Christ in a spirit of prayer. Lastly, five, enemy access by a religious spirit that exalts procedural doing of religion. Watch over praying intimacy that brings kingdom transformation. And that's what was happening in Jesus' day. There was a procedural doing and even profiting of religion and a missing of the prayer that brings transformation. So, Jim Cimbala, I don't know if you've heard that name, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, asked this question. I was just listening to a sermon. He's talking about house of prayer at a, at a gathering, at a bunch of leaders, man. He just went off. In the Brooklyn Tabernacle, I don't know if you know that church, but they're famous for their Tuesday night, not only the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, but their Tuesday night prayer meeting. 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 people come to a prayer meeting on Tuesday nights in New York City. And I just love it when a church is known for a prayer meeting. It's so few that are... But this one is, and he was with all these leaders, and he asked the question, since the church is called a house of prayer, how did the sermon become the centerpiece of the church service when the Lord declared that we would be a house of prayer? How in the world did that happen? Now, I'm pro-preaching, and I'm pro-sermon, and I'm giving you one right now, kind of, but something's gone off track when this is the centerpiece of what we're doing. Is everybody Okay. I'm pro-Bible. We need more Bible than ever before. But we, I put on Facebook, I, I was like, it's important to note that the church was born in the midst of a prayer meeting, not a preaching meeting. She was born in the, read Acts 1.14. She's praying day and night, spirit falls. Then Peter preaches to explain what's going on. There's a divine order there. And that we have trained the church, discipled her to sit around preachers preaching but not how to boldly come before the throne of grace in prayer explains, I believe, the divided, anemic condition in Christianity today. So there's a lot at stake if that statement's true. If the statement is true, there are anemic condition, a lack of power, because we've forsaken our identity. Everybody's trying to figure out a process, a principle, a better preacher, and a better building of how we can have dynamic ministry. I'm telling you what's got to happen is we've got to get a restoration to the house of prayer. When God's people are a house of prayer, dynamic healing and transformation happens. It begins to dethrone leaders that are exalted. It begins to exalt the Lord Jesus and something powerful begins to happen. And it's just a grieving thing to think to me to think that how much we practiced teaching people how to sit around preachers that preach. And, um, and so again, the irony is we're doing that right now. <laughs> I'm just acknowledging it. I know we're doing that right now. I'm standing here with a mic. And I'm saying something to you, but I'm trying to prophesy to you, and I actually want to respond to this in prayer. Because this is, it's really a, a, a major problem, and it's a, it's a manifestation of the identity crisis we're in, 
that we're building up everything for a 30-minute talk while we think about God a little bit more and hopefully go out and train our lives. So we need to train every believer how to storm the throne of grace to get answers to prayer. Can you imagine if that happened? <laughs> if we had people that had power in prayer, they could change neighbors and change cities because they could lay hold of Yahweh and his authority and his resource. So I want to pray right now, and I'm going to say i got two more things to say. I'm not done with the sermon. Would you pray with me and really engage your heart if you believe? How many believe that the church should be a house of prayer? Amen? So how many of the churches, by the way, should be a house of prayer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going for a, we're going to like swing for the fences is a good way to say it, okay? I'm going for Baptist and Presbyterian, every Episcopal church in the city, Catholic. We're going to pray for them right now that there will be an acceleration of Jesus' zeal for his house tearing through the temple. You want to do it? I want to sick the Lord on the church. Now, that's, sorry for that. I, I don't even mean that in a holy way. I really don't mean that. Like, look at, But what, let's do it. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, get the church of the living God. Heal us from our generational identity crisis. Lord, it's, it's, it's time to be done with saying we ought to pray more. I pray for a miracle of revolution in the body of Christ. God, I pray pastors would lead the way. I pray that pastors would become the primary prayer leaders in their families. More than even the preachers, the primary prayer leaders. God, I pray for black and white and Hispanic leaders. Men, women, Lord, young, old, I'm asking for a full thrust work of the kingdom of God upon their souls. And may prayer not be a theory or a side ministry. May prayer be the culture of every church in the city. We will leave it to you how many prayer meetings that is a week, how much time, what it looks like. That's up to you. But Lord, I pray that every house in the city moves into a kingdom dialogue and is delivered from a ministry monologue. Lord, move with power. Break spirit of distraction off of them. Spirit of religion off of them. And Lord, bring about a revival of prayer. We want what you want, and what you said what you want, my house will be called a house of prayer. And so God, we lift up churches. And what I'd like to do right now, if you don't, just you in a spirit of prayer, would you begin to to yourself or out loud, to begin to cry out for the churches you know you're thinking of right now. Pray for a revival of prayer in any church, not in a demeaning way. Father, hear our prayers and do a miracle in, in Wichita, something way bigger than the prayer movement, the kingdom revolution for your glory's sake. I pray it'd be quite normal to walk into services that are completely engaged in equipping people to dialogue with you, and they're actually corporately doing it together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There are two dynamic realities that are manifest from a house of prayer. Number one is glory, and number two is government, from my perspective. Glory has two dimensions. That's given, The glory of God is manifested out of a house of prayer, and it has two dimensions. It's the giving of Him glory through intimacy and through worship, and then it's the manifesting of His glory through powerful kingdom ministry. And so both of those begin to happen. You'll see what happens the, when Jesus clears the temple. All the kids are stirred up and they're, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they're worshiping him, intimacy, glory. 
and then the blind and the lame are coming to him, and he's manifesting his glory through kingdom-liberating ministry. And so a house of prayer has glory manifesting. It's, it's operating in it, and it's manifesting it everywhere that it goes. It secondly has government, and that government has two dimensions to it. It's about authoritative. The, God's authoritative executor of his will is the church on planet Earth. And so there's authoritative order in his house where we're recognizing each other according to the Spirit. So you see everybody according to gifting and measures of authority and anointing. That should be the deal other than positional authority by what committee you're running. And I'm okay with committees. I'm not trying to take an easy shot at that. My point is, is that the church is a dynamic supernatural thing. You all have gifting. You all have measures of faith and measures of authority. I wonder if you know what that is. And then I wonder if the people around you know what it is. Because authoritatively, we should have order. We should have order in the body of Christ. I personally think the church is way out of order. Way out of order. And I'm not trying to be a complainer. because I just think she's run by title and education more than gifting and discernment of anointing. Wouldn't it be something if we knew what everybody's gifts were? <laughs> if we knew what everybody, and you, and you knew what your measure of authority was, and you knew who you had a sphere of influence over. It just drives me crazy. People get around me, and then some, anyway. It can be inspiring, and then it's irritating. And it's especially irritating if you want what's on me. If I want what's on you, then all of a sudden, I'm in this jealous, envious, weird place and somehow we've set some standard, oh, that's what the anointing looks like. Is when that guy does that and stands on those platforms. I'm telling you, that's just ridiculous. God's not going to be honoring what we honor up there. I love it. The people who are famous on planet Earth, I've heard that one guy, I think it was Rick Joyner. The ones that are famous on planet Earth are not going to be so famous in heaven. And the ones that are unknown are going to be so well known in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, widows that have been pouring their guts out in prayer and changing families and lives. This is going to be powerful and honored by the Lord. But we got to know and stay within our sphere of gifting and anointing so that you're not pulled out into jealousy and all kinds of weirdness. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's order. It's order. It's just we haven't been teaching it. And then we're just executing ministry. They're like, well, when I ascend to ministry, then it's going to look like that guy or that gal. And it's not, I promise you. It's going to look like what God designed in your heart. What he designed for you to do. We need you doing your thing. The earth needs you doing your thing. Wichita needs you doing your thing. And needs you undistracted with envious jealousy trying to be this person or that person or have their authority. And so that's why I love, I love sitting in meetings with city leaders and discerning in the meeting who's got the authority in the meeting. Not by title, not by whose building it is, but by who's got grace upon them. And so the Lord, we need to be trained in that so that we got order in the body of Christ. And I think he's bringing it. Lastly, is authoritative warfare against his enemies. We are the executors of the authority of God and the word of God against his enemies on planet earth. And so, oh, how we need to be taught that, to, to give notice to principalities and demonic strongholds and those kinds of things that are all around as we execute his authority on planet earth. It's glory and government. The, heaven is coming and bringing the glory of God and the government of God, and heaven will eventually fill this whole earth. It's like Psalm or uh, Daniel chapter 2, the small stone not cut out by human hands that becomes the largest mountain in the earth. And so um, it's going to fill everything. And so 
like yeast through the bread, the kingdom of God's working in a powerful way. But we need a revolution. We need a revolution back to a house of prayer culture. We really do. And where we're talking with God more than listening to people in services. Where we're training people how to intercede and pray and worship. And so we're, we're so radically committed to this. I, I was telling Amy, I'm so radically committed. This is the thing I'm in trouble for the most in the spirit realm. And, and the enemy's just assaulting me on a regular basis. I've give up on trying to teach people how to do what we're doing. I, I, I don't, it's ridiculous. Don't do that. We're, what we're going to do is we're going to stay in a spirit of prayer. We're going to train people how to be under the government of the Holy Spirit and then see the church unleash and then God will take care of the ministries and how much they grow and what they do and how they come up and they come down. That's not really any of our business, but we want to see the government of the Spirit that happens in a house of prayer culture. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name tonight with this group here and those that will listen to this later for revelation. around what it means to be be a house of prayer, be part of a house of prayer, to operate. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just guide us even now as we stay in a culture of prayer and under the, your government, Holy Spirit. We're not looking for certain manifestations. We're looking for your rule and reign. We're looking for that, and whatever that manifests is up to you. And so, Lord, I pray for liberty and order to be manifest, glory and government in this place tonight. I pray even now, would you show us how to, how to operate, <clears throat> how to spend these last few moments So what I'm doing now, and, and we'll, we'll keep moving, and people have been around Saturday nights, you know, I'm just listening. So I'm not having a, got a goal of what I want to accomplish right now. I'm having an inner dialogue in my inner man, and I, I appreciate you trusting me. You're sitting there, and I don't know why you're doing that exactly, but thank you. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to listen and be led, and, I, and I'm looking for leads in the room. And, and actually trying to walk out the Holy Spirit being supreme over the meeting. And so I ask you to be praying now too, if you would. Just the next few moments are precious. And that he would deposit and do what he wants to do here.